Yo, 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 what's going on, world? This your boy Najee from Cigar Talk. And man, today, it's a special day, man. We're kicking off season four. Now, y'all know usually I say special guest, man, but this brother seated to my left, man, this is this legend shit, man. I'm from Queens, so y'all already know what type of time we on today, man. I got my man, 50 Cent. What's up, brother? Yeah, baby. Happy to be here, man. Man, thank you. I appreciate you, big dog. Yeah, I got all kind of shit going on, man. I'm seeing it. Yo, first of all, I had the DVR for life the other day. I was out. I made sure I had to catch that last <laughs> night. I DVR'd it, watched it. And dog, like, you got another one, bro. Not, I'm glad you said that, or man. Or rip, though. It. Like, that's yeah. not even, like, no gas. Like, I, I, <laughs> felt, yeah, like, I felt it. Like, first episode, I know I saw you tweet, like, you know, I, I've been set this up two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Talk about that, like, just the process of, like, now that it's actually here, like, that two-year process of kind of setting it up like that. Yeah, the timing, like, it doesn't run into anything because the other people weren't developing anything like that. You know what I'm saying? And what, what made me comfortable with, with and why the, the subject matter stood out so much was because Isaac is not, like, Isaac Wright Jr., the, the story's loosely based on his life story, but yeah. it's not, like, one in a million. He's, like, the only one. Right. that we could point to under those circumstances. So when I, when I heard it, like when he was telling me his story, I was listening, I'm like, I started Googling to see if the... If it was real, if he capped it. Yeah, what he said is real, because I'm like, he, right. he told me some bullshit, and like, nah, and it turned out, it's really real, you know what I'm saying? I was like, I definitely want to do this, you know? So my man introduced me to him, I took care of him right there. Oh, hit him up right there. Yeah, yeah. straight. Hey, come on, let me do this for him, I'm gonna get this together. Right. You know, and then, it took me some time to get it right from there because I had already had a project called Con Law. Okay. And that was brought to me by APA, some agents. And when they brought that to me, I, um, the, it was cool, but it wasn't good. It wasn't real. Mm. It wasn't based on a true story. It was something fictionalized. Yeah. Now, a lot of how often would, would inmates have interest in, in going to the law library and working on a case? all the time to represent yourself yeah but he, he he's a different case and situation period like you know like god defended himself from the beginning of his case right because he couldn't find an attorney that, that felt like it was a, a good decent case that right. he could beat it and then they was offering him 15 years so he didn't cop out ended up getting 70 70 years plus life yeah then first person convicted under the kingpin statue in new jersey First person wrongfully convicted. And then right. he actually went through, uh, you know, studying law until he started being a prison rep. This meaning if they catch tickets in a joint and they figure out how many times, how many days they're going to be doing the box or whatever. Right. He could actually rep them at that point. And then started writing briefs for other lesser attorneys out on the outside. Yeah. Approaching their cases. And so it's like the guy worked himself gradually until he gave himself full experience. For sure. Like, when you when yeah. you met him, I mean, obviously, because the story in itself is crazy. Like I said, I was doing my research and actually reading the real shit once I seen you promoting yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And the story itself is crazy, but, like, when you met him, what was the what was the vibe? Like, was it, did you know just off of what he was saying? Like, damn, this is a TV show? Or what was it that made, made it click for you? Like, Yeah, when he explained the story, I was like, he was pitching a feature film. Mm. And I was like, nah, it's, it's a series. Because... Uh, a feature film would only permit two hours for me to tell a story and when that journey is worthy you need some time for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah to get that to right. 
people to settle in and realize what that's like. Look, before we started, we were saying, imagine when you have an idea and you, or you come across something that you just found in the law library, right? And you're enthusiastic about it because you think it's going to help you out with your case. And you're sitting on the visiting floor with your loved ones and you express it because you're excited. You're like, yo, I found something. You know, I'm, I'm going to get out of here. Niggas ain't believing it. No, no, no. They're going to look at you and, and in their minds, they're looking at you saying, is this what happens when you see someone go crazy? Mm. Right. Because you're, you're happy. <laughs> right. You're excited. You think you just came across something. Right. And they're looking at it like, is this going crazy? Is, is the jail driving him crazy, the process? So right. if, you, if you come and you're not in a good emotional state, so you're not so happy and you're just there and you're like, having a visit, they're like, oh, is the jail more? That's how you're supposed to be. Yeah, right? is the jail yeah. breaking them? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like either way, it's not. It's not. No matter how you feel, like it will register to a person on the outside that's not on the same journey. Yeah. Where they feel like maybe they're they're witnessing what happens when a person goes crazy. Right. You know, it was a, a movie. It was one of my favorite favorite films. It was uh, the Butterfly Effect. Yeah. You, you, you saw that joint? Butterfly. I'm not, I'm never, I never. I heard it. I never see seen it. Shit. That's one of the ones. But you got to see the one with what's the name? Um, Butterfly Effect with. Uh, yeah. You saw it. Every time he blacked out, he woke up and everything was different. Right. But that technically would, would be the butterfly turned into a, the person's brain. Right. And it's like, what is this what's going on every time the person blacks out and comes back? Like they have a complete different viewpoint of things. So this is why we're seeing them like they're completely nuts. Yeah. You know, and I'm just, I'm looking at that going, that would possibly be one of the things that you see creatively. That make you... Just exploring that. And then the habits that you would have from learning the law under circumstances where the system itself is criminal. Right. Exactly. Because they got you there under circumstances where you didn't do... But that's the thing. They showed that in the episode, right? Like, there was a part where, you know, they, they was transport. He was kind of winning. Yeah, he was getting yeah. his W off in the courtroom. And then uh, yeah. he was supposed to call the witness. And then they, like, transported him late so the witness couldn't make it. And I think, like, that was just so important, kind of showing, like, how the systemic racism happens, like, in the system. How important is that part for you, just, like, you know, that you're really putting on for prison reform at, like, on regular on TV? The, on the commercial I mean? platform. Like, yeah, yeah. On, the, on ABC. Commercial level. I mean, it's dope. And the timing of it, look, you got the Innocence Project. You got a lot of people that it's socially relevant. Like, this show is supposed to be a hit for multiple reasons. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, today in Trenton, New Jersey, Two guys just got, I'll show you right here. Two guys just got released after serving 25 years innocent. Damn. You see what right. I'm saying? And you go, that's, that's real, that's real what, shit happening. what could you do? Like when they start restitution and they give you some money for you spending that time, what could the fuck could they give you for 25 years of right. your life? They can't, there's nothing they can give you for that. To get that back, yeah. I mean, a hundred M's might like make me feel a That's little better. Do it. A little. I mean, you got that. I ain't got that. So I'd be thinking about having maybe that might it. let you. <laughs> nah, might make me feel it. a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? But look, even at this point, the person that you could have met, fell in love with, how many positive moments? Right. Your highlight reel. Right. Like, the the thing that's really important. The most expensive thing we spend is time. Because mm. we can't get it back. Mm. And and when you look at the highlight reel, whether the person's rich. Poor in the middle, wherever they at, right? They uh, they will have to. Look, me personally, I look at it and say they still have so many moments. Look, before I had money, 
when I'm rich in the middle, when I'm poor, when I'm in the middle, when I'm rich, regardless, I've been on each one of those portions of the journey. Right. I had fun. At each place? When we didn't have no money, we had fun. Was that the most fun? It was fun. Now it's, it's, a, it's a different kind <laughs> a of different fun. Different kind of fun, yeah, for sure. Different kind of fun, and the when you grow up without finances, the uh, you, you start to view financial freedom becomes really important. You know, you start to nice. be conscious of what you because the restraints, the biggest restraint is something that costs. Right. The, the, how much it costs. Right. You know what I mean? And later, you, you work yourself into a place where. You're not worrying about the cost, like when you're saying, how about my shows are greenlit anyway? Because mm. if they don't greenlit them, I'm going to make them. <laughs> right. How cra- so how crazy, just obviously, like, we're going to get to power and shit like that, but, like, mm-hmm. power was such a, a cultural moment. Mm-hmm. How much did that just affect and kind of give you leverage to everything you're doing? Like, just the fact that that got that much cultural relevance, like, did that affect everything else the way they, like, nigga, everything you do... We good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Give Richard Die Trying. My first album was the largest debut in hip hop album, right? Yeah. Only time they seen a record perform, I think they just got one. I think uh, Roddy. Roddy Rich. Roddy Rich just yeah. got right. Well, look. Yeah. I, all of, out of all of that, but the, the Doors, what it did, that record, got me junior records. Mm. Let me put all my people on. Right. You see what I'm saying? And the environment that I come out of, you as strong as the crew that you built. The crew that you have, yeah. you know what I'm saying. So I always took care of everybody. I put them. You always saw these people on stage with me. Mm-hmm. They did not have to be on stage with me. I could have gave you the Kendrick Lamar show, where you just see me by myself, solo, bro. Right? Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. I don't right. need every. I don't need backup dancers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, right. I brought them because bringing mm-hmm. them was providing me the ability to pay them. It kept them off the street so they didn't get in trouble while I was gone. It, it allowed them to, to understand and to feel what it feels like to be in front of that kind of audience. Yeah. And it kind of prepared them. It was artist boot camp in there. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And yeah. all of them kind of got off. Ye got off. Banks, Banks got off. Yeah. They all got off. Other artists that we picked up that came later, you know what I'm saying? That yeah. Everybody went through that, that portion of the process. Now you look and you say, on, on the broad strokes of it, you look and you say, The way I see, I'm to, you asked me about the television show and I started talking about the music because I see it the same way. I see it like it's, this is the start of me being in, in film and television. Yeah. My first album was the highest debut in hip hop album. My, my first television show is the highest rated show on premium cable and on the Stars Network. Right. And what that does is it makes me a priority for Stars itself. When Stars is gonna grow to be the urban HBO. Mm, I like that. You see so what I'm you, saying? Like, if you're comparing it to where like power is get rich, do you feel like for life is your right. massacre? Is no, it, no, yeah, is it's the, the second massacre? album. Yep. Does it feel like that to you though? Exactly. Like, that, and yeah. it'll perform better because it's on network television. So you're going to see bigger numbers. Like look, everybody's TV comes with ABC. Got ABC, yeah, right. Everybody's TV. That's a fact. Now, when, once it become culturally, when you, what you saw when people found power, the cool people found it first. Like they found it, and it was like it was hip. It's like yo, you, you, you don't watch Power, and oh, I'm gonna see. They went catch up, caught yeah, up. Yeah, right. Get the stars out. They caught it first. Now look, yeah. if you said those influences influence the world, this is why over time everybody else came. If I if I was wrong, the show wouldn't be so successful. Right. 
you know, and you look at it, you say, I told Courtney this in the beginning, season two, I said the cool people are already watching. It's just going to take time for them to... To spread the... Right, because it's not their job to, but they're going to do it by chance. They're going to be like, yo, you watching? You don't watch yeah. this? Right. They're not telling you, yo, yo you need you to watch, watch this. this but yeah. They're just saying, I'm on this shit, it's fire. Right. On their own, the way they like it. Yeah. Like, to each his own. Like, it's like when you watch a movie... You, we can watch the same movie. You can come back and say, nah, I was all right. I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. I thought it was long. I can say that she was fired, right? Just the way I felt when we went in to watch it. Yeah. And then be like, nah, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It could just be, it's to right. each person's. To each person, yeah. yeah. So being that you, like like we said, we, we talking about both sides of the fence, you know, just like music and TV. What you feel like, just for people watching, is the most lucrative? Is like music money bigger or TV money mean bigger. No, TV money's bigger. Yeah? You talking about, so come on, man. That's way bigger. <laughs> way Like, not even close? Like, just... Nah, you waiting on... Look, you're not making money until you're making money when you're not working. Mm. I didn't make no money when I didn't do a show. You see what I'm saying? I had to work to get the money. Every time. When I'm not in the show, and the show is still... They going, how you keep yourself off your own show? Oh, I don't understand that. Right. I'm like, cause this motherfucker on automatic pilot. <laughs> it don't require me on yeah, this motherfucker point to Let keep going. Go. Yeah. Let it keep going. Why, why, why they doing that? I'm available and free to sort out what I'm doing in for life. You know, right. and I, I directed uh, Power 603 and I'm nominated for NAACP award for that. Mm. It's cool that, you know, my episode is better than everything else that year. What? Talk your shit, man. Talk your shit, man. That's what we all cigar talk, baby. Yo, look, so how, because I feel like really, to me, it's only two niggas that's really doing this. It's you and Ice Cube. Y'all the two niggas that, that's really, when you talking about like your directorial debut, how much different is, is that than like the executive producing part? Like when you oh, directing huge, some shit. It's a huge difference. Like, it's like you're the first person there, last person to leave when you direct it. So it ain't going to be no early days, mm. you know, for you. Yeah. Like, you know, when I when I was at the table reads and I was there as an executive producer and playing a recurring character in Canaan, I, I would just focus on the material that I had to perform. Right. Following the table read. And then so I'm in and out, you know, the episode. But when you look at it like it's thirty two scenes and you gotta get all thirty two of those scenes correct. Right. It's a whole different process. And you look at it and you're saying, you know the acting talent, they know the characters already because it's episodic television, they've been playing these characters. Grow with them. Yeah, yeah. and you look and you're going, I want to see a performance that I didn't see from them. You know, and to be comfortable, a big part of directing is communicating what you want to see to the acting talent. Like a mm. lot of, and to give confirmation of it's right when they're doing it right. Right. Because if you get a new actor, They'll they'll be giving offering you a little more themselves than than the character. Yeah, doing too much. Like so they may need to, they may need to hear <laughs> they may need to hear you say that was good, like that was the right thing. Yeah. And then when you get an experienced actor, they may still need to hear you say that was good because they become so good that they can play it ten different ways. You know what I'm saying? If you got ten different takes on it, you can do. You're gonna need confirmation from somebody that they like That's what you just is. did right. and do that again. You know what I'm saying? Like so they they expect you to be there to communicate that to them. 
Absolutely, man. I mean, it, it's just amazing kind of like, you know, how much the culture really gravitated to power and like fuck with it. Like I saw uh, Tariq, I forget the actor's name, but he was posted, he was getting death threats. Like Rainey, niggas yeah. was really on his head. Like, nah, it's the power you know fans I mean? is a little different. Yeah. You know, because it's the hood too. The hood is involved. Absolutely. But, and they look at the shit and they're going to be like, what? <laughs> Little motherfucker, like, yeah. I'll fuck you up. Like, no, it's not a show, Tariq. Right, it's real. Like, the minute, the you see that meme where they said Tariq, the only nigga for the hood that uh, shot his pops for being there, spoiling. Him. <laughs> I said, Damn, nah, man. But how? What do you feel like? Just like when we looking at the the spectrum of power, like, cause I feel like the growth you were saying, like around season two and three, yeah. like we kind of felt the impact growing. Check this shit out, right? I got paid seventeen thousand dollars per episode. What? Season one? The first two, three seasons. Whoa. Wow. This was me getting the network pregnant with my idea. Mm. So, the concept, you know I would've got paid more to just go to the nightclub and wait. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So, it wasn't, it, it was like taking, a, it's me wanting the show to be the way I want it to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, power, this shit turned out like I expected it to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if Courtney, she was doing some shit, an idea, she would call me and tell me. We talk about things constantly. And whatever. I didn't dictate everything that she did, but what I w she would do is while we're talking, she'd go, say that again? Mm. Like, I say something, and she'll go, say that again? And she'll write it down. So she's just retaining everything. And it would show up in the material. But it may, there's no telling if it showed up in Tasha's character, if it showed up in this character, if it showed up. But she knows what I'm saying is authentic and is right. real. And she was using it consistently, you know what I'm saying? And that's the kind of talent in Courtney that not every writer, showrunner has that right. ability to just go, you know what, she's from Connecticut. She, she's saying, I don't know. You would know, right? If, if, look, if I'm playing the character that just came out the joint, he know better than me. Right, so she like you. He just got out the joint, right. so you gonna know better than me. That's a fact. What the what transition and how it feels to just come home or or what that is when you're just getting back into the flow of things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like th this, it's different things that, you know, a person is living it. He can play that character better than all of us. Right. And not overreact while you're right. doing it. Because he know who he, know he is. is. Yeah. yeah. Right, that's what's up. So how how do you feel like if, if we looking at, you know, the spectrum of power, the season's over, everybody was going crazy. Now uh -huh. see, you, you're doing multiple spinoffs. We right. got a bunch of them. Obviously, the one that stood out to me, the, the Kanan series, I'm like, nigga. Because Kanan was a ruthless motherfucker. Now, watch this. Kanan remind me of a couple of niggas I know for the hood back now, in the Now, when too. you go raising Kanan, it's coming 89, 90. Right? Oh, that's the, that's the golden era. Yeah, yeah, that's the era. Yeah. That's the era where niggas get knocked and they just go, give me my time. I don't give a fuck what you're talking about. Right. They ain't telling on nobody. Because if you're telling, you can't even look forward to going home gonna be hell. Where you going after you get out? The neighborhood ain't accepting that. Did you, oh, you bitch ass nigga, we heard you's a rat. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying like that? That's a fact. That's, they say these things. Yeah. When they, when they want to try, look, even for me personally, my character, they would try to track my, attack my character, they'll say he a rat, or he just snap. Yeah. All you gotta do is ask him who I told on. Paperwork. I ain't never told on no nigga in my life, boy. Yeah. And in a premium situation, look at this case. It'll tell you who told on them. Right. My name ain't in that case. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Um, they talking about, they try to use that I need to order protection, but why Why it feels like I'm the bully out here then? Mm. If <laughs> I needed protection. Right. You needed protection, nigga. And your protection gone. 
<laughs> that's the truth. That's what the fuck it is. Right. And then, look, they used to try yeah. to put a spin on anything, like for you, sure. to try and make it look good. And then when you get a beef with or, or disputes with the younger artists, new artists, they don't know what to use against you, so they use whatever someone else used. Right. So they go back and they go, "Oh, you this." You heard it when Meek was talking shit, and then you heard it when French was talking, and and it's like, I don't take offense to it when they're doing it. Because I know what they're doing. Right. You know what I'm saying? I took a fish for where it actually started. And you never see, let Jimmy Hitchman tell you I'm a snitch. Mm. Let Prince tell you I'm a snitch. Just say it one time. Right. You see what I'm saying? Because Jimmy's been snitching since 1942. I'm talking <laughs> Don Julio, <laughs> no, nigga. That's <for> <laughs> a fact. Oh, it's real cigar talk shit now. Yeah. No, I'm talking Don Julio, That's nigga. a fact, baby. <laughs> Braces. Shout out to the braces. Let me pull up a little more braces. No, nah, we shouldn't do this shit with liquor. <laughs> Look, that's a fact. They can start telling the truth from the liquor around. A little bit, you know what hey, I mean? Hey. Let me know. You let me know where you're ready, nigga. I'm gonna leave this head. We I'm good. Ready. No, I'm telling you, check the paperwork. That's all. Check the paperwork. All right, now. Jimmy, that's you know that? Jimmy the rat. <laughs> that's a fact. Yo, so look, fifth. We we gotta I cause last week was the 17th anniversary. Everybody giving you your flowers. We all mm. on social media. 17th anniversary, Get Rich or Die Trying. It's dope. And I remember, like, I was in ninth grade when shit came out. And I remember that week, nigga, still vividly. <laughs> like, everybody's talking about this shit. I'm in ninth grade. I remember I left school, first and second period. I was like, nigga, I got to get this. And it was limited. I called my African nigga on the mm-hmm. app. Like, yo, bro, y'all got that Get Rich? Like, yeah, come through. So we cop- copped it. Went back to school. Go ahead. I was the nigga. Everybody like, oh, shit, you got to do shit. Yeah, we was the nigga. How vivid do you remember that point? Like, you still think about that time period? Or yeah, look, look, like- look, look, I remember, watch this, when, we, when the record came out, I was in on a bus in D.C. and both because the All-Star Weekend. Yeah. It was February, and it was All-Star Weekend, I was in D.C., and I never forget, like, we went to part, we did the show at three different venues at All-Star. I was everywhere at that point. Yeah. So I was like one, two, three, and look, look, look at this. I didn't have, I didn't fuck with cars or nothing like that at that point, because this was the first one. I didn't have anything. Right. I had eight hundred, eight hundred dollars a month to, for my responsibilities, mm. the rent and stuff. So right. I went on that tour. Following that, by the time I came back, it was thirty-eight million dollars there. And. Damn. No idea what the fuck I was going to do before then in tax time. That's crazy. So it was like, I just was, we went to work, like really work. I was like, it's like what you going back for? You want to go home? Right. We didn't have shit at home. <laughs> right. The fuck you going right. back there for? Like, That's you know what I'm saying? Like, you want to go home? Like, I, look, that was yeah. a threat. If you told a nigga, you, <laughs> right. you told a nigga, you said, what? Say that one more time, you going home. Right. Niggas, like, please don't niggas send me home. home. Please, please don't send me home. I was a threat to a nigga instead right. of it being a... Uh, right. A privilege to go home and relax. That's a Niggas fact. like, nah, you going home. I want to work. And that's it. Look, it went on. Look at this. Look. It's elementary, right? The building blocks that you put down, essentially, if they keep moving, you can't build. Right? So I, put, I set certain rules that was the basis for how we would be productive. I said, I don't care who you fight. Do not fight someone that I came with. Mm. If you niggas have some sort of dispute or something going on, y'all tell each other, I ain't fucking with you right now. Get away from me. Right. You go to the back of the bus, you stay at the front of the bus, whatever. You know you're upset. You know you're uptight, but you just stay away from me. Y'all stay away from each other. Right? Because if y'all have the fight, y'all both getting the fuck out of here. Y'all going home. 
Right. And the reason why I was saying this is I can't bring new people on when the foundation that I had is fighting each other. Yeah. And I had experience one time, Nas, Nas was like, Nas was the nigga. Definitely. Nas was the nigga, like, for Queens, like, Definitely. he was the one, like, AZ would say some slippery shit, that music, but nobody was hearing it the right. same way they heard what Nas was saying. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Like, and I'm listening, because I'm listening to the whole thing. I'm looking at the whole picture. I'm looking at it going, yo, every now and then that nigga would say some shit, but Sussan Monster got in us because all of us turned the sentence and did it. Right. Like, AZ would say, say some, some shit. shit. Yeah, now, don't think he wasn't saying some <laughs> shit. But Nas, when Nas would say the shit, he just had that thing around him. Right. The glow around me was like, it was crazy. I mean, I, we went to one of the shows in Central Park, and at that point, you couldn't be in hip hop without the support of your neighborhood. Facts. This is why when you think Nas, you think QB. Peace right. on his neck, QB. Absolutely. Right? And then when you think Jay Z at that period, you thought Marcy. Yeah. You know, and all, but, but big too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody had to bring uh, their neighborhood. Their, that's a fact. You wouldn't. Yeah, you South Side, side, side whole, on time. You had fact. to have that. Yeah. Now look, while having that around you, surrounding you, the neighborhood itself, you know, if somebody violate, what they're going to they're gonna be like, oh, these niggas think we pussy. Yeah. They're saying we like all of us, fool. <laughs> we. We're going to kill these niggas. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. You crazy? Yeah. Then they're going to they gonna pop off immediately. So, but what would happen is, one time I was at a, a show, i never forget it, it was in Central Park. It was like a, a free show, but it meant a lot. Like, I was excited. I wanted to see this shit. I was like, yo, this shit gonna be crazy. Why yeah. you gonna do it? Wait, you on at this point? No, we gonna do it Elbatic. Like, oh, this right. is not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right. there. Like, right. like, yeah, yeah. like I'm gonna make, I'm yeah. gonna see this shit, right? Right. And the fight broke out, and the show didn't take place, but it was Queensbridge niggas fighting Queensbridge niggas. Right. See, the energy around the artist was so powerful that it made the niggas that meant something in the environment not mean anything, temporarily. Because mm. everybody was excited about the art that Nas created. But at that point, you ever seen a rich nigga want to start the fight? Good question. A nigga doing Never. well off don't start the fight. <laughs> Never. He there, he's having a good time. He's partying, they got bottles and shit. Right. right? The niggas start the fight is the niggas not doing as well. Mm. Mm. So when he not, it's, it's only just three niggas. Here's the picture. You got rich niggas, you got tough niggas, and niggas that easily become collateral damage. And I show you in the line, right? right. Rich nigga come to the front, he tell the bouncer, y'all got 10 with me. He hit the bouncer on the side, the bouncer don't even give it to the club. He get the 10 in. Right. Right? There's no weight on the line. Right. Tough nigga, you see the tough nigga on the line, you say, oh man, get pull him off the line before this nigga start a fight. He get agitated the back whole, there, yeah. start beating him. But come on, come on, yeah. bring, they bring him in. Him and his man come in with no problem because they, it's a tough, yeah, they just, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, if you don't bring him, you cause you a problem. Cause a wreck, yeah. Now the other guy is there. He can wait on the line, and he can easily be collateral damage in the event that he runs into either one of those other two guys. Because what happens is the, the tough niggas usually get around the rich niggas, right? And they're there to aid that. Yo, Fifth, how are you able to kind of keep? that same energy and that hustle, like being on top for so long. Cause like I said, I I was watching this whole, I watched your whole shit. I had a few, you know, all the mixtapes, you know what I mean? How are you still able to kind of keep that 
that ambition, that hustler ambition, like still at this level? Is it like, cause I, I remember when you came back to Baisley and gave out them dirt bikes to niggas, just yeah, showing you know, them niggas. Look like, how look. you keep that still? Watch this, look. When I come to Baisley and give them the dirt bikes shit, it's fun for me to see them excited. You know how you go away, you come back and you see the puppy? The puppy, dog, the dog's excited that you come in? Yeah. It's that energy again, right there, but on a higher level because a grown human excited about go, having fun and running. Even though I know the police going to take the bikes from them. Right. They're going to have to run for the cops on these bikes now. And even though you know that you're supposed to ride the shit in the park, maybe, and <laughs> right. they ain't gonna fuck with you, they're gonna ride them in the street. Yeah. You know, I already know this. But I'm going, I got, I accumulated all of this shit in the actual house on the side, and I'm like, it means nothing to me, take it on you U-Haul, give it to them. Right? And they ride it, and they love me for it. Absolutely. Like, they'll look at you and go, well, man, they say whatever. The easiest way to turn a nigga on me is, that nigga got wild money, what are you doing for you? Right. And they, they stop arguing in my behalf at that point, right? But the highlights are the things when I just casually come through and drop it off. Right. Right? Because, look, at the end of the day, I love them niggas. They standing there, they, they from the same streets that I grew up on. That's a fact. You see what I'm saying? I look at them like they're a version of me that hasn't actually blossomed yet. They do have the capability to do it, but something got to strike a chord in them to make them want to actually go after it. Right. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that that I drunk special juice. I don't remember having a special cup. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I think it's the same thing. It's just that, and this is why they understand my temperament. They understand how I behave. Like when I get angry and I start doing shit, they go, oh, okay. Right. No, it just reminds them of, of the, the energy. Yeah. yeah. So what do you tell me? Because I got a lot of older young niggas watching my shit and have aspirations. We see you. We see what For Life is doing, what Power is doing. When you got kids that you know, are into the, the actual, like, the video production, like, making, like, money and violence and respect yeah. life and the street shit that, you know, we put on YouTube. How do these type of kids go and get it in position to, like, be on television? Like, how do, how do you make that transition Look from that, that I to, like all to of the that. Level? What's the name? The money and violence, all that stuff. It's all good. Those are good efforts. And there's people that don't understand it. It's not rocket science. Yeah. Like they look at it and they say like this, yo, we need, okay, we need the hustler nigga. We need the stick up nigga. <laughs> right. We need this nigga, oh, this nigga scamming. We need the, the stripper. Right. And then we need the bartenders and we need this. It's, it's basically putting characters into this actual storyline that is a part of socially with everybody would interact with in New York City on some level. Right. Right, and to a producer that doesn't know what that is, they look at it and it goes gritty. They don't understand why the, the YouTube views are there. Yeah. And they're going, no, because, why? Because the characters are flawed and they all have, they're all somebody you know. You know the stripper, you know the bartender. Facts. You know the nigga hustling, you know the nigga scamming. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So on that level, it's not you're hard already, for you to know these people. They're there, they're in, the, in the neighborhood. How do they so, get it to the next level, though, to where it's like, you off YouTube, like, you getting, because nobody know how to get to, like, network, how do you even that's do that? That's what I'm telling you. When they're doing a, when they're doing that in the very beginning, is is saying, that represents what, like, what hip-hop represents. Mm. You got cameras that are shooting the quality. You got 5D cameras in front of 
we know what this shit looks like when it's actually done. It shoot good under bad lighting too. But if you take the time to shoot the shit the right way, yeah, you'll look at it and go, wait, nah, this shit feel, feels good. Right. Like, it feels like a fucking feature film. It's just a, a it's, it's done guerrilla style. Right. We've seen shit that's better than than some of the shit that we watching in shorts. That's a fact. You see what I'm saying? Like short short segments, and it's like, yo, boom, but it's organization, it's, they're lacking organization, because if they're organized, doing more of it, meaning if the short was just a piece of it, if you only kept the stuff that was high quality, yeah, anything that was, was not Low done right, just, reshoot. Right. Reshoot, reshoot, till this shit looks like it was in a fucking movie. By the time you're actually done with it, Look, they're not even paying their actors at that point. Right, that's a fact. It's just providing opportunities and people saying, yo, I, I could do that. Like, when you play characters to the flood, they already understand because they're in the environment. They know people that would do this within lifestyle or they would do this. Yeah. Within lifestyle themselves. They already got that energy. Mm. They can convey it honestly. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then it starts to look like something worth watching because we're like, yo, now, I like that it's rough. Shit rough, I put it on my... I have shit projected through the fucking projector looking at it like it's a movie and it's a YouTube clip somebody did for, for no money. Right. Right? But what is the story they're telling? They're not telling the story as sophisticated or as well organized as right. what they see when we're doing power. That's a gem right there. I like yeah. that. They're they going to feel that. The other, yeah. the other one I want to kind of get, like, for the music niggas, obviously there's a lot of aspiring artists that watch this. Um, I thought, like, it was an interesting debate that kind of went on. Um, Puff had the Grammy speech, and then Mace came and said his whole thing about publishing, and that kind of became became a big debate just about like people kind of owning their publishing and owning that. Yeah, you being like an owner of a label, like you you the boss of the label. Look at this. It's specifically that, right? Puff did the Grammy speech. Mace say about the publishing. This is just personal shit between the two of them, and that and they, those feelings are there because they dealt with each other for years and years and years, right? And the shit is deeper than you can actually see on the surface, and from, even deeper than what I know. But I, I met and hung out with both parties. But you look at it and you say, when he's pointing out the publishing shit, he's doing the same shit to the young boys now. Mm. Fabio, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like it's there. Mm. He's done the same shit that, that they do to you, boy. The fuck are you crying about some shit that somebody did to you, and you doing it to somebody else? Right. Get the fuck out of here, man. Right. Is that how it goes? It's, like for the young niggas, is that how it goes? Like, is it a rite of passage where, like, you know what I mean? For, is it good business for me to like uh, get my publishing up right now, and then I come back? Listen in a to this. Years? Listen to this. When when they be saying there's a whole lot of gang shit, right? Gang gang. <laughs> whole lot of gang shit going on, nigga. You yeah. might not even get a record. You gonna not take the money? Mm. You see what I'm saying? So the young boy could say I could mislead him by saying, Nah, don't do this, don't do that. But then how the fuck you gonna eat? Right now. Right. How you gonna eat? That's what that's based on. And then you can't cry over spilled milk later, after the fact, look at it and go, oh, I should have never did this. Yeah, then that means that you're the kind of person that no matter what happens later, you're gonna look at it and say, I should have did this different. Right. You know what I'm saying? Things you go through make you who you are. You say, at that point, when you did the deal, that's the right deal. You ask me, yeah. Fabio did the right deal? I said, yeah. Right. I see him every day. He out. He looking good, feeling good. What the fuck you care about that? <laughs> and you shit, good. your shit ringing in the city. Right. 
You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey, hey. If I know the motherfucker is right. You know what I'm saying? If I'm talking about it, what the fuck? I don't talk about shit that ain't, ain't really snapping. Right. That shit is clicking. Nah, so that ain't going to mean nothing. Right. So, I, I hate when artists get in a position where they could get blocked by how the deal was structured. Mm. They get blocked, like, you know, even Fetty, like Fetty Wap. Yeah. His shit slowed down because of the deal was structured. Mm. How the deal was. And that nigga was on fire, bro. Like, he was number one, number one, number one, number one. I'm after like, God hit, damn, do hit. not stop. Do not stop. Yeah. You give it a break, and, it, and it's hard to get back into that slot. He's learning now. Right. It's hard to get back into this position that he was in. His voice is still good. I like the music, but still not getting to the position the other records was getting into that position on. Because our culture is out with the old and with the new. Right. You know, and... I like the New York record came out, he'll tell you, I put the shit up on Instagram for him. He said, I ain't gonna owe you nothing for that, right? Because I was doing all that Money by Monday shit, right? Yeah, right. No, right. I just ain't know. <laughs> right. For him, I'm looking at it like, I want to see you back Where was in that? a good position. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, that. That. that's why I did that. Like, I'm Yo, not Fifth, looking man, for... I got a chance to you, my nigga, because first of all, hey. when I seen you get the star, nigga, that <laughs> did something for me. Like, I'm sitting here like, this nigga from Baisley got a star on, <laughs> that's crazy. Like, and I was watching your speech, like, obviously, like, let me sip this real quick. <laughs> I, was watching, I was watching the speech. I seen, you know, it was two things I want to talk about with the speech. The first thing, one thing what you said was like, I thought it was interesting because you was kind of talking about the transition, you know, from just the music to the to the film. Right. And you said, I guess you came to the point where you like Jimmy Iovine. You said something like he pointed to the TV. Right. And then it clicked to you that like film. Like, what was that? Like, yeah, what you well, I had met, I met with Jimmy and they had already exited the music business. They was in the headphone business at that point. Right? And it was like, had all the resources of a major record company. Everybody that's there, someone is there hired that would continue to execute what they wanted executed. Yeah. So there was no artist coming out off the label that wasn't having a pair of beats in the actual music video. Right. So when when I had when I'm talking to him, I I didn't have beats in mind at that point. You know, so I had SMS because I was looking at Jimmy's move. To, towards beats like Russell Simmons moved towards fat form. Mm. Okay. Because of Russell's move towards fat form, we knew that you could take interest generated through hip hop and music culture. Yeah. To create urban clothing and it can be successful. Yeah. Create Sean John, create Rockaway, create G Unit, create Baby Fat, create yeah. all of this stuff, right? And it works. So when you see him do that, like, like if there's a I'm not after the deal that he's after. I'm after the bidding war. I'm after who who lost the opportunity right. to do that, so they can buy my company, right? If they buy yours for fucking four billion dollars or yeah. you know whatever, then you bought that for that, and they buy mine for what? I don't give a fuck if they buy it for three hundred, six hundred thousand. Yeah, there's still a profit there, right? So obviously he saw it different in that time period. And he felt like I was being a competitor, and. He said that he, he said shit in that meeting that made me feel like he thought that I was uh, like he didn't like me. You know, he said I don't like you. That's what would make me feel like, <laughs> feel like that. that, right? Right, okay. and then okay. I'm looking like, oh shit, you know what I'm saying? 
And I'm sitting here talking to him about a record that it's, it's hard for me to believe you can't get it played. It's a record for me, Eminem, and Adam Levine. Mm. And neither one of the two artists I'm featuring on a record with haven't had a record that wasn't a number one record that charted. Facts. And you tell me you're having a hard time getting it played? So it felt like they was just putting me to bed right there. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And they going in that conversation, he's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe, you know. And he points to the TV, and I'm looking, and as much as I didn't like the conversation that we was having, after the fact, when I'm actually talking about, like thinking about what just transpired, I keep remembering he's pointing to the TV. Yeah. He didn't advise me that maybe you go in this direction, or he didn't help me or aid me in any way going in that direction. But he said, I don't know, man. You know. And that clicked for you right there when he was doing that? Yeah, because it was, at that point, it was no longer supporting me to say it. Mm. That's what that meant. It means you're on your own, period. After a while, I got agitated with the way they was carrying me with Insco Records, and I, and I told them that I heard them. Right. Because I don't know how to, to respond to a person that, that's doing it's something to me, yeah. and I'm not doing anything back. And then I, I didn't have to deliver that last record to just let me go. Because I was completely in the green. Like, I'm like, it's not, it's very rare that you have an artist come and they don't owe the record company. Right. Actually, you should try and owe your record company. <laughs> what you mean? I mean, you should fucking have them be invested in you being a success right. by being in the red a little bit. All right. So you know that they support it because they spend it. Because they spend it and yeah. they, want, they want to keep it a functional business. Like right. when you when you come in and your first album is the largest debut hip hop album, you're so far in the fucking green that it's like they didn't we never lost a dime. We just made money off of fifty cent the entire right. time. Yeah. First album thirteen million records, second album ten million records. The the fucking no matter how you look at it, they made money off of fifty cent. Right. You know, and then when you they they leveraged the the wins with their losses, but Jimmy like as soon as I went on the, to to talk about the star, I said I fucked up. I should have it should be there. Yeah, I saw that because I looked and I saw like like M spoke and then Dre is there, and it's like look this is the guys that are there creatively to reaffirm that what I'm saying is right. Absolutely, and then. Jimmy's the only person that wasn't there. Right. Steve Berman is there, Paul Rosenberg's there, everybody's there. How much did that moment actually mean to you, just like getting that accolade? Did it... it meant more to me that they were there mm. than the start. Right. Because it was, it didn't get, I felt like maybe I should have wrote what I wanted to say now. Yeah. Because you don't do that again. Right. That's, that's, you do that one time. That's, that's it. Big, so man. I'm looking and going, no, it's cool, they're gonna give me the star. Like, but then when I got there and the energy around everybody being there made it feel like this is big, you know yeah. what I'm saying, for me and because of my friends being there, people that I work with. Right, absolutely. I mean, I, I wanted to just kind of take, you know, I don't want to hold up too much of your time, man. I'm, I'm appreciative of, of this time. I just wanted to kind of get into, because, you know, like I said, that moment for me was like a, you giving, you know, we gave you your flowers. That's what it felt like. Everybody here, mm -hmm. like, fit, like, you had such an impact just on culture, black culture, culture, period, American culture, you know what I mean, and kind of getting your flowers, and obviously the untimely death of Kobe Bryant kind of shook the world, and 
shocked the world. And I know, like, you know, you were, you know, vocal and speaking about it. How much did Kobe kind of just mean to you? Because, you know, I saw, you know, you saying, like, you know, I, I ain't going to be for niggas no more. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. just how much did just, like... Just punch him right Just Kobe, face. like... <laughs> how much did Kobe kind of, like, mean to you? Did y'all have a relationship or...? Yeah, Kobe was cool. Look, certain guys, like, you, you look, music culture, uh, this, music culture is cool culture. Whether they want to identify with it or not. But what it does is it takes the athlete's mind off for how long he got to do what he got to do. Yeah. To be great, mm. you know what I'm saying. And when when Kobe outworked these boys like that, that he was actually playing against, the music was playing. In the car after he was done, the music was playing. Right. You know what I'm saying. And the different things. So he he did have a connection to music culture. The same like they are passionate about music. Like you see LeBron James is like what? Yeah, he on. He came in the same year. The same year I came in. Right. Like so we come in. It's like he could. LeBron, the king, the king, King LeBron. I'm like, what? All of the shit that happened is kind of in, res- in response to that. At the same time, yeah. When you see Junior sneakers, that's res- Paul Fireman's response to losing the bid more for LeBron James. His lifestyle brand. Mm. Mm. That created Sean Carter. Wow. G-Unit shoes. Daddy Yankee. All those different things happened because they was. It was $80 million laying there at RBK yeah. when they lost the bidding war for LeBron for like 100 to the Nike. Yeah. I'll take some of that money. <laughs> Yo, Fifth, man, listen, right I'm there. appreciative, man. I, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I appreciate you, man, doing this, bro. This is a major episode right here. You dropping some gems on niggas, man. Oh, good. They're going to catch on or they're going to miss it. And if they miss it, it's okay. <laughs> hey man, hey, this was a dope episode of Cigar Talk Season 4. My man Fifth, we drinking the Branson. We out of here, baby. Blah!